not come as a, as a surprise to some of you, because some of you may have been waiting for the last three years to receive a Christmas... Oh, hello. Might have been waiting for the last three years to receive a Christmas card or a birthday card from me. Um, but I don't really do uh, greetings cards. It's not... I, uh, I'll tell you what it is. It's the rubbish that they write in the middle that I can't cope with. You know, the bit where it says... And I'm really sorry because my mother happens to be here tonight. Um, but the bit where it says, oh, the best, you are the, just the most perfect mother in the whole world. Or oh, the most perfect husband. Oh, oh it's just, I, I can't. <laughs> I've literally just upset everybody I'm related to in the room. So I've started well. But I honestly, I can't cope with it. It's just, ugh. And don't get me started on weddings. (laughs) Right? So I I like a wedding. Don't get me wrong. I like a wedding. It's part of my job. It's a brilliant part um, of my job. Yet still, my heart sinks just a little bit. And a loving couple will come to me and they'll say, can we have a poem? (laughs) And I never say no. (laughs) I never say no, but sorry to those of you who can't see, I'm slightly distracted because there's a tuck shop being run by my husband on the front row. But anywho, yes, because they'll choose a poem and it'll be all lovely, but it'll all be full of like how perfect love is and how great marriage is. And, and it's just rubbish. <laughs> like, like marriage is good and love is good, but like it's not this Disney kind of... Thing that some poetry will have you believe. There was one couple once, and I cannot for the life of me remember what the poem was now, because of course I need to remember it. Um, and they picked a poem, and it was a brilliant poem, because it talked about um, how, uh, you know, that sometimes love is hard, and actually sometimes you have to love someone because you choose to love them rather than because it happens by accident I'm not anti-love honest all you young fresh-faced people are looking at me like I'm honestly love is great Um, I love my family I love my husband and my children but sometimes and I know you'll find this hard to believe but sometimes it's more difficult than others (laughs) and I recognize that that applies to me as well (laughs) because love isn't always easy because when we love somebody invariably um, if they're human they will let us down at some point they will upset us at some point and they will make it more difficult to love them at some point and again we will do that to them also and if there was ever a biblical reminder that love is difficult tonight's passage is it Jesus says, and I paraphrase, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, pray for those who are mean to you. Um, If somebody takes something from you, don't take them, don't stop them taking anything else. Turn the other cheek, he says. That does not sound, quite frankly, it sounds equally as horrific as the mushy greetings card, doesn't it? Like, that does not sound like the kind of love that you might want to sign up to. 
And yet that is the kind of love that Jesus has, uh, calls us to. And so um, before I dig myself into a hole any further than I already am, maybe we should bring it back to the Bible. And tonight, I just want us to think a little bit about what did Jesus really mean when he tells us to love our enemies? And uh, I'm not going to lie, I've struggled, with, I've struggled with this, as I'm sure um, some of you have over the years, because this passage particularly, I have sat in churches um, and heard leaders and other people use this passage as a way to keep people down. I have heard it used by people um, as a way to try to convince women that they should stay in abusive relationships. I have heard it used, and uh, similar passages that occur other ways, other places in the Bible, used to tell victims of abuse, um, of sexual abuse, of racism, of slavery, of homophobia, insert your abuse of choice into that, that we as Christians have to accept that all in the name of loving enemies. And I can't quite sign up to that because it kind of means if we sign up to that, that somehow as Christians, Jesus wants us to be little more than cheerful victims And that, to me, does not sound like the kind of love that Jesus would call us to have. Jesus gives us an example of love in the Bible that does not match that in the slightest. And so I think we have to have a little closer look at what Jesus really means when he says, love our enemies. And I'm going to start with this idea of turning the other cheek. Because I think when Jesus says, love your enemies, he tells us that loving your enemies doesn't mean that you just have to accept it when they do you wrong. Because again, I've kind of struggled with this um, over over the years. Because, you know, when somebody says, turn the other cheek, it's almost like, well, if you hit me, I'm just going to turn around and let you do it again. And yet context is everything here. Um, Actually, not that I want to go against Luke's gospel, but when Matthew tells this uh, particular account, I think he does it slightly better because he includes one little nugget of information that tells us a lot. Because Matthew tells us that Jesus said, if somebody hits your right cheek, turn the other. Yeah? Reese, come here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, stand by there. Hold on, how is this fitting with me not being the perfect husband? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to hit you publicly. Right, now. Okay, right, which is your right hand? Right, okay, right, keep that there so I remember that. So, if you want to hit somebody... Um, on their right cheek, unless you're like you're really weirdy beardy at how you do it, you need your left hand, yeah? 
okay, with me so far? But there's a problem with this. Again, context is everything. In Jesus' time, your left hand is your unclean hand, okay? Yeah? You do lots of unclean things with it. I'm going to leave that to your imagination. (laughs) You wipe your bum with it. So, you couldn't touch... Um, anyone or anything with your left hand, okay? Because if you did, you would make them unclean. And if you were the one that made them unclean, then you were in trouble. And you got excluded from religious um, meetings and you had to do penance. So imagine you can't use your left hand. So you're stuck with your right hand. Well, this kind of doesn't work either. The only way I can hit him with my left hand, no, my right hand, see, I knew this would end badly, with my right hand is to hit him with the back of my hand, like that, yeah? But you see, that's not really the kind of, it's not like a fighting thing or an aggressive thing, it's more, it's more of a power thing, okay? People backslapped people, in order to insult or humiliate them. They did it. I'm so tempted. I'm I'm not really. I'm not really. Um, But they did it to keep people in their place, okay? So it's the kind of thing that uh, masters did to slaves, parents did to children. Um, But it was all about making sure the person you did it knew that they were beneath you, okay? So... Imagine I've hit him. Ooh, ooh. Right, turn your other cheek now. There we go. Now, the problem is, is if he gives me his other cheek, now I can't backslap him. It doesn't work. The only thing I can do here is give him a girly slap or punch him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who can't hear at home, my youngest son just told me to punch him. Um, <laughs> but there's a problem with this. Because, again, context is everything. If I punch him, I have to admit that he's my equal. Because only equals fight like that. Yeah? I'll see you later. Um, <laughs> So the thing is, when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, he isn't saying, turn and let somebody hurt you. Actually, he's saying, you can stand up to them. Because in that moment, once you've turned the other cheek, the, the, the enemy has, has two options. One is to humiliate themselves and admit that you are their equal and fight with them as equals. Or to turn around and walk away. When Jesus says, love your enemies, he doesn't say that we just have to roll over and accept anything that anyone does to us. He says, challenge people. He says, um, remind, it's a reminder to us that we are equal under God. Jesus reminds us That part of loving people is holding them accountable. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. 
At no point does Jesus say to us, all you are worth is somebody else putting you down. Jesus says you're fearfully and wonderfully made and if your enemy puts you down, you stand up to them. And you stand up to them as as their equal. Loving our enemies doesn't mean that we have to accept it when people hurt us. But loving our enemies does mean that we have to accept them as our equals. Jesus says, stand up to them. Show them that you are their equal. At no point does he say you are better than they are. It'd be good if he did, wouldn't it? But he doesn't. He says, loving your enemy uh, means recognizing that you are equal to them, not better than them. And I think this is why Jesus um, is clear to point out to us, do not judge and do not condemn other people. But you can love them to accountability. Now, this is hard, isn't it? Because there's this little slippery slope that sometimes we get ourselves into and we can hold somebody to account and we start our sentence with, in love, I'm going to tell you this. And then we proceed to tell them all the things that they're doing wrong in a whiny, judgmental way and commit them, condemn them to hell for all the things that they've done wrong. It's a fine line. Jesus says you don't get to judge or condemn people. For you are equal to them. Our job is not to judge or condemn. If there is any judging or condemning uh, to be done, Jesus is quite capable of doing that without any help from me or you. But we do have to view and love our enemies as, as, as an equal. We have to be able to look at them and recognize that they too are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. That God loves them as much as he loves us. That God, in the eyes of God, we are equal, even if we wish we weren't. Jesus says loving our enemies means recognizing that in, in the eyes of God, And before God, we are equal. And what comes with that is that it's not up to us to change or to seek to change anybody else's behavior. Loving our enemies just means choosing the way that we react to them. Choosing the things that we do and say and then praying that through the things that we do and the say and the response that we have to them, that they will come to know Jesus for themselves. Because let's be honest, if people need to change, they are not going to do it because of anything you or I said. Because, because I stood here and said, well, you can do that and you can't do that. It doesn't happen. We change because God changes our heart. We can only change when we meet with Jesus. Each of us has been and is being transformed by Jesus, not by somebody telling us what to do. Loving our enemies means seeing them as equal and recognizing them as equal under God 
and then leaving the rest to him. But of course, our transformation by Jesus comes primarily through forgiveness. Loving our enemies doesn't mean that we just have to accept everything that they do to us. Loving our enemies means that we have to see them as our equal under God. But also, loving our enemies means offering forgiveness. And I recognize that having said that, that is a really, really hard thing to do. But... Each and every one of us is here tonight because we were first loved and forgiven by God. Each of us here tonight is not perfect. Each of us here tonight at some point will have done something that hurt another person. Each of us here tonight, and if I'm honest, probably on more than one occasion, certainly if we're talking about me, I do it all the time. I'm not proud of it, but there are people who will be able to look at me and go, she is my enemy. None of us are perfect. And yet we, through, through the love of God and through the sacrifice of Jesus, have been offered forgiveness and a second chance. And what makes us so special that we deserve a second chance? And that other person doesn't. Absolutely nothing. If we are equal under God, then each of us has forgiveness. And we don't just get forgiveness and the opportunity to change from Jesus once. He gives it to us again and again and again and again. That is the model that he calls us to to demonstrate to our enemies, that if we are offered God forgiveness uh, by God through Jesus, then we too are called to offer that forgiveness to the people who hurt us. And I think that's really important, and I think it's really important for two reasons. Um, First off, forgiveness sets us apart from the rest of the world. Um, I, I forget what the exact words are, but, you know, just loving people that we love. Jesus says, yeah, even sinners do that. What's so different about that? You don't get any brownie points for that. Forgiveness sets us apart from the rest of the world. You see, um, <coughs> God's kingdom doesn't do justice like the world does justice. You know, I've said it before, I'm sure, and I'll probably say it again, but we live in a world that is so unforgiving. You know, you make one mistake. You know, I, I, I can't imagine what it must be like to live in the public eye, but you make one mistake and, and it stays with you forever. You make one mistake and you'll never be free of it. If somebody does you wrong, the world tells you, take them for everything that you can. If somebody does something wrong to you, make them pay, get them back. And yet, the kingdom is different to that. Jesus says, if somebody does wrong to you, then forgive them just as I have forgiven you. 
Be merciful to others just as the Father has been merciful to you. Forgiveness sets us apart from the rest of the world. It marks us out as uh, children of God, of members of the kingdom. And it's important because when we stand out from the rest of the world, that's when other people go, why would you do that? When that person did that to you, why, why would you forgive them? And there's our opportunity to share with them about Jesus. Forgiveness is important because it it sets us apart from the rest of the world. But forgiveness is also important because forgiveness is what gives us freedom. Loving our enemies means not, you know, holding them accountable, standing up to them. It means recognizing that they're equal under God and offering them forgiveness. But loving our enemies also brings us freedom. The thing about, the thing about having enemies and the thing about especially unforgiveness within that is that unforgiveness is... It, It kind of sits in us and it festers if we leave it there and it and it breeds kind of bitterness and and cynicism and maybe even if we don't acknowledge it actually what unforgiveness does is it it kind of wheedles its way into every other part of our life. And again, whether we acknowledge it or not, often unforgiveness um, changes the way that we interact with people. It changes the way that we form relationships and see people. The only way we can be free of that is to forgive. Unforgiveness is like this invisible kind of tie that ties us to the enemy or to the person or or, or whatever it is. And whilst we're tied, we are not fully free to be us. Whilst we are tied, we are not fully free to be the people that Jesus is calling us and has created us to be. But when we offer forgiveness, that tie is broken and that tie, um, and, 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 it, and it's gone, and we are free. Now, I know that's not easy, and, and please don't get me wrong. Jesus does not say, um, forgive your enemies and then become their BFF. See, not only one down with the kids. Um, it might well be that you have to offer forgiveness and then put safeguards in for your in, in for your you know in in place to protect you, and that's absolutely fine. But forgiveness cuts that tie and it frees us to be the people that God has created us to be. I'm well aware that there is nothing that I have said tonight that is easy. Loving our enemies does not make us weak. When God calls us to love our enemies... He calls us to be strong, strong enough to stand up to those that perhaps would seek to insult or humiliate us. 
strong enough to recognize that those people are equal under God um, with us. Strong enough to offer forgiveness where there is hoot. And it's not a strength that we can have on our own. We don't do these things. We don't love our enemies in our own strength. We love our enemies in God's strength. It's the only way that we can do it. In the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. In the power that is given to us by the one who knows more about forgiveness than anyone else. Loving our enemies puts the kingdom of God on display for all to see. Loving our enemies uh, is, <coughs> is God's love in action, in possibly more, uh, you know, in its most raw sense that there is. And we pray that through loving our enemies, others would come to see the God that loved them first. But loving our enemies, forgiving our enemies also brings us freedom. Because until we forgive, until we choose to love our enemies, then we are not truly free to be the people that God has created us and is calling us to be. Shall we pray?